Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Audacity with Jasmine T. My name is Jasmine T. And today I have with me the very beautiful Miss Ansley Denise. Oh. Hey, y'all. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Hi, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me and giving me that wonderful compliment. <laughs> Thanks, girl. It's true. Thank you so much for coming. Um, so let's just start off by, you know, you just giving us a little bit more information about who you are and what you do. Okay, so yeah. My name is Ansley, and I identify myself as a creative. And I feel like that's very broad, especially in this day and age where everyone is a creative, everyone's creating something, which I think is beautiful. It's a beautiful wave. But I really fought hard to call myself a creative. So I don't like to coin myself as something if I'm not doing it actively. Right. So for a long time, I was a writer because that's my first love. I, I'm going to write regardless. Mm-hmm. And then I just started going into different avenues of who I am. So I, over time, I was like, I'm doing a lot of things to just coin myself as a writer. I'm doing more than that. So I need a bigger umbrella. So mm-hmm. I'm a creative. I'm a creative person. So that's what I kind of think of when I think of myself a full-time creative. From when I wake up to I go to sleep, I like to create. So that's okay. important to me. So basically, to you, a creative is somebody who creates. So just creating anything. I think so. I think if you're actively doing it, because in this day and age with social media, I think a lot of people may give an image or pretend that they're doing something. So I think if you're actively doing it and committing to what you say you're going to do, then you can call yourself that. So I take pride in saying I'm a creative person because I actually take time and work towards creating. And then um, I think I enjoy speaking. I enjoy writing. I enjoy creating content. Uh, I think content is a very big deal for me. And I think that's that's broad, too, because content can be articles, writing, words, right. visuals. That's very broad. But... I like creating content that I would want to see for myself and that inspires other people and also entertains. So I want to inspire people and make them laugh and feel comfortable being themselves. But inspiration is really big for me. So that's why I enjoy your podcast, because you're pushing people to have the audacity to chase their dreams. So that's what I'm really all about. Oh, thank you so much for that compliment. I was not expecting that. Um, (laughs) Thank you. So... So, basically, what I hear you saying is it's about that commitment aspect of you actually being committed to what you're creating. And that's what makes you a creative. Yeah. I feel like that's, in my head, that may be, like, vague and, like, a large brand of things for people. In my head, it makes sense. Like, because there's so much going on in my head at all (laughs) times. So, it's it's hard to put myself in a box. Like, I fight so hard to not label myself. Mm -hmm. I just introduce different parts of myself to the world at different times. Mm. So, even that may sound even kind of crazy. But to me... I get it. Yeah, like, it's like I know all the things that I want to do and what I enjoy doing and what I can do. But I don't like to overload my space or overload the world. So I just introduce different parts of me at different times. So some, sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't know you did that. Or I didn't know you liked doing that. I didn't know you liked to act. And I'm like, I've always known that since I was like 10. Yeah. But it just wasn't time for me to show that part of me. So I'm very like sensitive and strategic about parts of me that I show. So I think that's interesting because like you just pointing out the fact that, you know, just 
people trying to put you in a box mm-hmm. and, you know, saying, oh, I didn't know you could do this or I didn't know you could do this. But a lot of times it's like people expect you to just be able to do one thing and to be good at one thing and not to be multifaceted. Yep. Like they want to put you in a box. So I love that you said that. And you said you always got something going on in your head. I'm like that too. I can relate. Right. Like I be having all these different ideas just floating around. Mm-hmm. And I be like, okay, wait a minute. It's just timing. Yeah. Like spacing it out and when it's time to develop that idea. And I think sometimes people get pressured because they get overwhelmed. Like I have all these thoughts and I'm yeah. not doing anything with them. But you will. You know, just... In time, it's a time for each idea. That's mm-hmm. kind of how to organize yeah. it. <laughs> I like that you said that it's timing because I think that's something I deal with too, being overwhelmed with all the ideas. And I'm like, well, when am I going to mm-hmm. do all of this? Yep. Wow. Definitely. So basically, you can do it all. You can do it all. You just got to plan it out, figure out when you're going to do what part what part and i think people are scared to do it all i don't really believe in doing it all at one time because then you overexert yourself and you don't put a lot of energy into a particular project right like i believe in fleshing out a project as much as you can and then moving on Mm -hmm. but i don't know i think i personally battle with you know who i thought i was as a person and my identity because i feel like i wanted to do so many things then i'm like girl you're doing the most sit down Mm -hmm. but (laughs) at the same time that you were given that idea or dream or passion for a reason. You don't just... I don't believe that anybody just has an idea for no reason. You you have it to flesh it out. And you're supposed to go after it. So anything I think of, I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm to put that aside for right now. But eventually, that's going to develop into something else in time. So you're saying you're going to put it to the side. Is that a mental thing that you do or do you physically write it on paper and put it to the side yeah so i have a journal i always have to have a journal especially if i see a cute one i gotta (laughs) buy it i love journals so i will write out in order what is most important to me or what project is most important to me at this point in time and even though people may not see this particular project i know in my mind that eventually i'm sowing seeds towards this you know I'm watering it while people see this one particular project, but I'm sowing seeds towards this. Mm-hmm. So I write it out. Nothing can ever be planned out, though. I never like have a strict like deadline for things. I have personal deadlines, you know, short term goals, long term goals, but I just write it down and know, and mm-hmm. know I'm gonna circle back to it. So basically, you're not putting enormous amounts of pressure on mm-hmm. yourself because I I realized I had to learn that the hard way that like. I can put debt, like, even when I write my to-do list, say, for instance, I have, like, a long to-do list, and I in my mind, I want to get it done in three months. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, I don't beat myself up about it. I just keep working towards it and cross it off when it's when it's done. Because it's a journey. Right. You know? You can plan all day when something's going to be done, but literally everything I think of, I wanted it done and out probably a year before anybody saw it. So, mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. So I can't, I can't cry or be like, dang, like, I wish I would have done it a year ago. It's just like, it wasn't time. So, so instead of beating yourself up about it, you just affirm yourself and just say, keep going. it's okay. It wasn't time yet. It wasn't time yet. I like that. That's really good. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You got to have faith. Mm-hmm. You got to believe in yourself. Anything that I can visualize and see, especially when I can see it clear as day, Ooh, girl. whether it be guys, whether it be, <laughs> if I be like, that's going to be my man, 
<laughs> I'm for real. If I can see it, then let me see it in color. Right. And like, then it's it's gonna happen. Sometimes things are a little blurry. You know, I'd be like, mm, I don't really know. You know, but if it was if it's placed inside my heart or if it's something I want to do, it's, I just believe that it's gonna happen. I love that. I think that's like one of the major factors of making your dreams come true or just anything, any goal that you have, like you have to believe if you can't visualize it and see yourself doing it, then mm-hmm. like, how are you going to actually make it come to fruition? You know, right. that's dope. Okay. So going back to your creative projects. So you create visual projects. You write. I read some of your um, articles this past week about music and different hip hop artists. Yeah. So what what all do you create? Okay, so that was my first baby, AnsleyDenise.com, which is still live. Even though, like I said, I don't beat myself up. I know I want to invest more into it and update it on a more consistent basis because writing is my first love. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't I write more? Because I love it. Right. It's just like time, and I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to writing because I'm I'm really like serious about that particular craft. I'm serious about all crafts, but writing that's like my boo. So, <laughs> so I do enjoy writing about music, entertainment, and inspirational stories. So I love music. A lot of people don't know how much I love music or how much I understand music or how much I find myself in the music industry. Or you might find me in a studio, somebody making beats, somebody's rapping. Oh, okay. You be in the studio. I be in the studio. I be in the yo. You know what I'm saying? Or like you'll, people might see me with like a manager of an artist or like artist or something like that. Shout out to Casey Elise. I work a lot with her. She's like an up-and-coming rapper. She's an artist. Okay. And um, she's really good. But I love writing about music because music makes me feel really, really good. Like, if I could sing, girl. It would be over. Stop. (laughs) It wouldn't be able to tell you nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing, nothing, nothing. So, basically, my passion for music and passion for writing kind of intertwined. And I tried to use writing to get certain jobs. So Mm -hmm. my internships that I originally had, I would be writing for like online websites or I would just use my ability to write to get my door, get my foot in certain doors. Okay. So somebody was like, you know, I'm looking for this person to do this. I'm like, oh, I can write that or I can go cover this event and write up an article and shoot it back to you. Or, you know, just trying to meet people in the media entertainment field through words. So I met with like, I guess, um... BJ Holiday's blog was like HolidaySeasonLive.com. They might be like the second person I, I wrote for or Control Magazine or like just different platforms um, that I was writing for just so I could feel creative and try to make money off my talent. So then at certain points where I wasn't being hired or working, I still wanted to write. So that's why I created AnsLeBeast.com. And I wanted to talk about just young professionals who felt like they weren't in their field and how it can be painful or you can be depressed, you can be sad, or you got mm-hmm. fired, what do you do now? Yeah. Or not to five or not. Like these are some of the articles that I would try to push out or Instagram will kill you if you let it. So mm-hmm. those are the original pieces that I really wanted to focus on to let people know, hey, I'm going through the same thing you're going through. Because right. transparency is very important to me. I don't like to pretend as if I have it all together. I like to be more so... You have a dream. I have a dream. I want to encourage you to chase yours because I need people encouraging me to chase mine. Right. To a certain degree. 
So that's what writing was for me. It was therapeutic. It helped me get a job. Mm-hmm. It helped me talk to people about similar interests and ideas and help people understand, like, it's okay. Like, one of my articles was... Um, you basically you turn 25 and you feel like you hit your quarter of a century and you're having like a dramatic breakdown like why is my life you know this way mm-hmm. and I just talked about different people who really didn't discover their skills or make money until after 25 like JK Rowling or Mark Cuban who you know they were all broke right and then years later after 25 they're millionaires millionaires right. so well not billions but you know millions so that was writing for me those key points and that's one thing I particularly love. Yeah. So that's like, I love writing everything. So editing, my homeboy just sent me today to edit a book he wrote for his girlfriend. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll edit it. Like, wow. So it's, it's weird because stuff like that, I used to like pray for like to get paid to write. Yeah. But now it's kind of like people kind of know me to be able to write and they'll contact me. Can you edit my website? Can you do this? Can you do that? So... It's like if you ask for it, it'll come. It's just timing. Yeah. Timing's a lot. It's a big thing. So basically what I hear you saying is like God opening doors for you based off you sowing those seeds, like mm-hmm. you said, and using your gift mm-hmm. regardless. Regardless if you have a job or not. Yeah. Or if even if you're doing something no one's paying you for, then that's usually your talent or that's usually your purpose or your skill of choice because you don't have to do that. Right. You know, you're just doing it. Like your, your podcast, your skill of choice is voice and talking. So that's what you choose to do. I can just remember I used to work um, for an insurance company. I had an insurance license. Oh, really? And, mm-hmm. Girl! And when I first graduated from school, and had come to me and asked me to edit a book for her. Mm-hmm. While I was at the company, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. I guess she saw my information on LinkedIn or something, and she contacted me. She went to Spelman, and I'm at the insurance job sitting at my desk trying to edit the book while working. Really? And my boss saw me and was like, I know you keep opening that book and being distracted by this book. What are you doing? And I would try to hide it, only open it up during lunch, but I, I had to work on the book. You know, I didn't have time to edit a whole book and go to work. Right. So in that moment, I realized, like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I don't have time. So it was like little mm. little stuff like that always happened throughout my journey where it was like moments where I always had to make a choice yeah. between what I knew I was supposed to do and what I was currently doing to make money or whatever it was. So it's just, it's so many instances like that when I look back, like right now sitting right here next to you and I look back, it's like so many times where I was forced to choose or I made the decision to choose to fight for what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those times she was like, girl, I keep seeing you look at that book. You're not paying attention to your work. You're not focused. I'm like, girl, <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here. Okay, I'm doing my job. You know? But yeah. that was definitely a moment. So that's one thing I do like to do is writing. And then I guess with visuals, we'll talk about that. So I am, I guess, currently my 9 to 5 is a, is a TV producer. It's for a Christian global brand. It's a mega church. Um, which that whole story of how I started working there is bizarre. It's crazy. A lot of people don't know I worked there, but how I ended up there, I had no inkling to work for a church or a mega church. I hate mega churches. <laughs> I go to a country church in Noonan, Georgia. I go know. to a country church. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would have never, I would never even have thought that I'd be working there in the media department as a TV producer. So I write commercial scripts. Uh Um, for the broadcast so 
what happened was, ooh, a lot of people don't know this story. Okay, so what happened was, <laughs> but I'm going to share it, okay? Transparency. Transparency. Okay. <laughs> so, it was a moment where I was, you know, I was writing articles for festivals or I was interning with different creative brands, but, you know, from gig to gig, or I would have interned at... Um, for Sunday's best for BET it's production assistance but from gig to gig you have those gaps where you're just not making any money right you know you're just praying for the next gig so you can make some money and live so I'm like I gotta get another job so it's a it's a I think as a creative or a person that's chasing your dreams it's a lot of points in time where you have to make a choice so as I've said already but I had a good job so I said okay my mom she worked for the bank for like 17 years and she was like you need to just go work at the bank I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to hate the bank. Like, I don't <laughs> work there. I'm going to hate it. So I went and applied and worked for the bank. Mm-hmm. And I was a teller. And when I tell you I was the worst teller anybody could have ever. I suck. I didn't understand how I suck. Like, I was just not good. It's such a simple job. Right. You have a money machine to count the money for you. But, yeah, I'm overwhelmed. People come in there with all, these mo- all this money, all these rules. And it just was not for me. And I would go in the parking lot every day and pray to God, please allow me to have a good day at work today. And please allow my drawer to balance at zero. I would say that prayer every day. <laughs> <laughs> I would just have so much anxiety about the bank. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, but I worked. I worked, I worked, I worked. Then one day, it was like this issue with like my drawer was short, right? It was a large amount of money. I didn't take it. I'm not going to say who I think took it, but I didn't take it. It was short like $1,300. So I had, they had to do like this whole investigation, etc. This sounds crazy. I'm not like illegal. I mean, yeah, this isn't like bad. <laughs> I didn't take it. I'm not a thief. I didn't She's take not it. not a thief, guys. I didn't take it. But that incident of that $1,300 was so traumatic. But I was like, I kept going to work, kept going to work. They tried to, like, write me up or whatever. But in my heart, I knew I didn't do it. So then one day, I randomly found $1,300 extra dollars, right? At work? Right. And I feel like this is the choice I had to make because I could have took it because they already, you know, wrote, wrote me up. Right. They already, you know, took it as a loss. The bank took it as a loss. But I said, no, I'm going to turn the money in. So now I look crazy. Now I'm going to the manager like, I found Here's, I just found $1,300. <laughs> like, they're like, girl, you took that $1,300 and now you're trying to give it back. And I'm just like, they didn't say that, but I know this is what they were thinking. Yeah. But I feel like in that moment when I made that decision to do the right thing, God blessed me. Because eventually the same day that I got fired from the bank, I had a job interview for the job I had now. So there was literally no gap in between, like, me working. I had just bought a car. Like, there was no gap between my money flow or anything like that. So it was literally, like, when I got fired, I told myself I did the right thing, and I just trust you, God. Like, I didn't even care because I knew I wasn't meant to be there. I knew that wasn't a space for me, and I just gave it all to him. I was chilling. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay. Like, what's next? Because I knew I had no control. Because it's one of those things where you do everything right. Like, I was going to work. Yeah. I was trying to be a good teller. I was practicing. I was remembering all the information. I was practicing. <laughs> I sucked. I sucked. And I was doing everything right. So, that's when I knew I wasn't in control. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't try to be. I didn't get mad. I didn't try to cause a scene. I was just like, okay. And then uh, he awarded me with a job that I didn't even apply for. They called me and was like, we found your resume online. And we want you to come in for an interview. I'm like, what? 
I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> I didn't even know that the church had a whole media department, a whole administration building, and y'all had TV producers and cameras and yeah. equipment. And I, I didn't even, I had never even been to your church. Never stepped foot. Wow. So when people like, that's why I'm just so like big on just like listening to your instincts and just letting go and just trusting. Because I can't, I can't tell anybody, when people ask me, what do you do? That's why I have such big umbrellas for what I do. When people ask me, what do you do? I can't tell you. I can tell you what I've done and what yeah. I enjoy doing and certain things that I worked on and what I hope to do. But I can only tell you what I believe in. Right. I believe that what I imagine for myself is going to happen. I can't tell you why. Only you can feel an experience for yourself, you know? So, yeah. It's just crazy moments like that. It's like, girl, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I think it's important that you said listen to your instinct um, because we are trained to listen to other people mm-hmm. and to ignore our instinct or that little voice inside our heads or whatever you want to call it. If you want to call it the Holy Spirit inside of you, we're trained to ignore it because sometimes it'll lead us to do some unconventional right. things like leaving our job right, and, <laughs> and turning in $1,300. Right. Because I used to quit a job so fast. I'm like, oh, I don't like it here. I'm leaving. <laughs> I was bad. I was bad. Yeah. But it's just because I always knew what I wanted to do. So in relation to content and me being a producer, I really enjoy high quality content. So there's been times where I've tried to like make do projects on my own. It's what I really learned is that you can only do so much by yourself. Mm. And I personally enjoy working by myself. I mean, I don't got to listen to nobody. <laughs> like, I don't got to collaborate. You don't got to tell me <laughs> what you like. I don't care what you like because I'm by myself, okay? Right. But I learned that you can get so much more done and accomplished if you have a team, especially a team that you believe in and you trust. Because I started with a show called Urban Overdose probably maybe about two years ago or a while ago. And... It was cool, like, just because of the connections that I had throughout the city, who I was interviewing, but I'm such a perfectionist that I get overwhelmed when certain things aren't a certain way or it's not Mm. as high quality. So myself and my best friend Alex were presented with the idea to do a show. I had just done an interview um, with a particular person that was acting in the Tupac movie, and after the interview... The person that was over that interview who set that up asked me, would you want to be a part of a show that I'm trying to get together? I have an idea for it, but I need help. So in those moments where collaboration is probably the best thing because everybody has a gift or everybody has a talent to bring to the table, sometimes it works out best. So Mm -hmm. I presented the name Rassy for the show, which is Ratchet and Classy. Right. Um, And the... The gentleman that approached me with the show, he had an idea for placement and basically advertising and, like, platform. So that was one thing that I was interested in and I know that I could do, but sometimes you don't have time to do advertisement, placement, and be on the show, and the topics, and edit. So we have an amazing, well, Nick is his name that does placement for, like, advertisement and the social media, things like that, the numbers game. Um, we have an amazing editor. Her name is Lulu Bashan. Um, she is so dope. I just love her so much because one, she's a female and she edits. And that's sometimes really rare to find females that are dope editors. 
So I know how to edit, but nothing to her caliber. And so for me to take my time, if I had a, my personal show, and to sit and chop and edit all by myself and to add graphics and music, it would just take forever. So that mm-hmm. was another thing I learned about teamwork where everybody can kind of split, you know, the work. And then we have Shannon, so who is also a producer for the show. So Alex and I will come up with ideas, we'll come up with content, and then Shannon will take it and organize it or add to it. So it's really a big group of people that are pushing one idea. And a lot of times, I don't think, well, I think it was hard for me to work with other people because I'm always so passionate about my ideas. But when you find people who want to work just as hard as you do, it becomes easier. So yeah, that's Rassy. So what I hear you saying is that basically teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. So I like that you said that um, because I'm like you. I like if I can get it done by myself, I just go ahead and get it done. But like you said, it's so time consuming to try to do everything on your own. And sometimes it's not effective or efficient. And mm-hmm. It'll really come out better if you had a whole team. So, you know, I know it's important as a creative, um, but also as a human to just be self-aware and cognizant of the energy with and around you and the people around you. So how do you keep your energy positive? And, you know, how do you identify and maneuver when energy is off? Mm -hmm. How do you choose who's going to be on your team? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, so I love energy. Like, I love energy in all spaces, wherever it comes with relationships, dating, workplace environment, whatever. So I think how I personally keep my energy positive is, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, is listening to myself. And at one point, I'm always nice. I'm still a nice and kind person, but I felt like I always put people before me or always made sure other people were comfortable and I always looked out for other people. And sometimes I sacrificed my personal energy to make sure everybody else was happy in their space. But you can't do that because you'll be drained and you'll be worn out and you just won't be a happy person. So one, re- one way that I keep my energy positive is making sure that I'm listening to myself with every and each decision. So... That comes with me selecting who I'm going to work with, what next project I'm going to work on. I have to ask myself what is going to make me happy and I can, and can I commit to this project and still be full of high energy. So I listen to myself. Like I literally sit and am still and listen to me, but I took the time to really get to know myself and be in tune with myself too. And I think a lot of people have a lot of distractions, social media, mm-hmm. going out, a lot of people yeah. around them that they don't spend a lot of time with themselves and they can't hear their own voice speak to them. I can hear myself, <laughs> which may be kind of crazy, <laughs> but there's been so many times where it's like I just sat still and listened and literally my voice or the universe or a higher power told me what to do next that I will cut out everything if I'm confused and just sit and listen. So... If I feel negative energy in a room, I can point it out. If I feel attracted to someone based off their energy, I follow it. Like, it could be, that's what guys, like, if I see a dude across the room, I usually don't pick guys out in a room, (laughs) you know? I'm not, like, that aggressive, but I usually don't get crushes. I don't care, like, how fine a person is, but 
if if I feel your energy across the room, I'm gonna figure it out. Like, why am I drawn to you? Or that and that comes with projects or ideas. Like, why I get, why do I get so excited when I'm working on this project? So, especially for instance, this is just an example. Is that of me just following what makes me happy and keeping my energies high? So I'm working on a a YouTube. Um, well, it's a I have a YouTube show which is Rassy, but this is my like, episodic. So I'm acting in it. It's called One Good Man, and I play Alicia. And I get so excited when I'm acting on camera. Like, I'm so happy. Like, we're literally on set, and I'm like, I'm so happy, y'all. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Like, why do you keep saying that? And I'm like, y'all don't understand. Like, I'm so happy. Like, I'm so happy reciting lines. And, like, I just get so happy. So that's the energy that I chase, Mm -hmm. happy energy, whichever makes me happy. That's what I chase. So that's what keeps my energy high. Finding good energy and going after it and not being afraid to go after it, regardless of, like, what people are saying around you. So finding good energy, mm-hmm. going after it, listening to yourself. Listening to yourself, and not being, other people. Not other people. And being aware of what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Especially my... Like, you can't even listen to your parents, you know? Yeah. Like... They're not you. They're, they're not, not you. They don't... They don't know what you feel. They don't see your vision because it was given to you. So you can't, you can't listen. You can't listen to other people, man. <laughs> and that's the thing about vision. When God gives you a vision, it's yours. It's not for mm-hmm. everybody else to see. So even though you may be excited to share it with other people, they might be looking at you like, girl, that is so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, or how you going to do that or you don't have no money mm-hmm. and it's just like if you feed those things into your spirit then you'll become defeated and won't yes. believe in yourself so you can't always share your vision with everybody you can't. and take everybody's criticism you cannot like i literally i think it's important for people to understand that you have to depend on yourself to chase your dreams you cannot wait for a pat on the back you cannot wait for other people to congratulate you because if that's what you're searching for, you will always feel empty. Always. you. I, I literally do everything for me. Whatever makes me happy. It makes me full. I do everything for me. Yes, because of the field that I'm in, I may post it to social media. But that's just, I think of it as branding. It's just, it's just part of the business. It's branding purposes. It's not necessarily like, oh, I want to prove to the world who I am because I already know who I am. You know, I'm just fulfilling my purpose or I'm just using my talents and skills because that's what was given to me. And everybody should use their skills better. You know, I don't have to, I don't never feel like I have to prove to anybody what I can and cannot do because if you didn't know me then and you don't know me now, you're not going to get it. You're just not going to get it. Right. You know, I have people, you know, be naysayers or have negative comments or say this or say that. And I've cried of certain things like that. And I'm just like, you never even knew me. You don't even know me to even have a comment or to say anything. Because I never showed you that I wanted to do that. Like, I never showed the world that I wanted to do that. And when I came out as, like, a creative or when I decided to start publicly saying, I want to be a writer or I can write, that was the biggest. I was so scared. Really? I was so scared. Because I felt like I hadn't. Well, we we both went to Spellman. While I was there, I felt like, you know, Spellman can very, it is very competitive. Yes. And you do kind of have to create a brand for yourself. You don't have to, but there's that 
energy that's telling you and forcing you to create a brand for yourself or to be somebody or to be labeled as something for somebody else or other people. And I can internalize that as positive competition because I like to compete positively. Like I like to compete amongst the best of the best and who's the best. I think that's positive. But a lot of times I looked at it as, as though I hadn't shown who I really was. So how can I come out as a writer? Like who, how can I just say I'm a writer? I, nobody has seen any of my work. No one knows that I like to write. No one knows that I like to be on stage and be in theater. We already have drama majors. They're already on stage. We already have writers and we already have... So it was scary for me to self-identify myself as who I already knew I was to the public because I thought people would say, girl, that's not you. Like, when you start doing that, and I'm like, I've been doing this since fifth grade. <laughs> no one really knew. No one really knew me. So that was really scary for me. It was. Because I felt like once you put it out there, then you give yourself room to fail. Because once you stop doing it, then people are like, well, so what you doing now? Yeah, they're going to have questions. Questions. And that's what I was scared of. I was like, if I have a gap in time where it's like, what you doing now? Or did that work out for you? Or I just felt like I was jumping over a bridge. But I did it. You did it. I jumped. And you're successful. I jumped. So your YouTube channel show, Rancy, has over 10,000 views. Congratulations. Thanks, girl. First of all, because everybody ain't able. <laughs> <laughs> so you told us a little bit about Rassy mm-hmm. and what it represents. Um, but talk talk us through the process of starting a YouTube channel and how do you get 10,000 views? Okay. So, yes, I will admit that YouTube is a very new avenue for me. It's very, it wasn't a new concept. I mean, I think everybody is aware of YouTube and how, and how I'm not saying everybody is aware of how it works, but everybody knows what YouTube is. Mm-hmm. And I understood what YouTube was. However, the amount of work that's put in to garner that amount of views, it's a lot of work. Or it's a lot of relationships that you have to maintain. And it's a lot of understanding how social media works. And I will give kudos, of course, to Nick, who is a part of our RASI team. But he's very communicative communicative or he communicates very well you know what his next steps are or what he's doing or what the goal was and this is what I do know now as I've gotten older so when you're starting a YouTube channel a lot of people may just do it for fun which is cool like you should always have fun with everything that you do but what you start you need to have an end goal and it needs to be intentional so if you want to just do it for fun that's cool but if you want to grow I mean, there are people that just did it for fun and then they looked up and they grew. But I think it's best to be intentional and say, I am doing this YouTube channel because I want to, et cetera, impact people, whatever, whatever you may want to do. But I want to make money. You have to start the project like that. Mm-hmm. You have to say, I want to be able to live off this product if it gets big enough. And I want to do the research and acquire the knowledge necessary to figure out how to make my views turn into money. So I think that's number one. You have to start the project with that intention that, yeah, I'm doing this for fun, but uh, I'm trying to get a little bag too. Right. And I think people are scared to admit that they're doing stuff for money. And it's like, you got to live, you know? I think that's the first step. I think the second step is maintaining and building relationships with people who already have crazy platforms. That's one of the things that we did. We maintained a relationship or built a relationship with a brand that already had a dope platform and we cross-promoted. And people do that all the time, necessarily on social media. 
where you may, you know, send your video to an Instagram page with a lot of followers. And it's as simple as like, it's placement. It's like advertising. Like people used to do it in newspapers. People did it in radio where you pay for placement to build your brand. So I think that's number two is maintaining relationships with people that have already done it and know how to do it and have the audience and support your brand, agree with your brand, and you cross promote. And I think that's a very, very big deal. Okay. Um, and also, number three, I think it's consistency. So with Rassy, what I love the most about it, I, I, of course, love the visual quality of it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. I think it's authentic. But I also love the consistency of it. Consistency is so hard for me personally to maintain. So when I got with a team that understood that consistency is key, if you drop something every week, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. But we do mm-hmm. it. We drop a video every Wednesday, hopefully around 12 or so. But regardless, a video is getting dropped on a Wednesday. And when you do that, you're in people's face. Right. Over and over and over and over. And people may, you know, be reserved and say, oh, they're going to get sick of it. They're going to get sick of the content. And that's one thing you can't do. You can't worry about other people. You're being consistent because you want to show consistency and be a brand that represents consistency and give people something to watch. Right. And remind people that we're still here. We're still hitting you over the head. If you missed last week, you can watch today. You can go (laughs) scroll and binge watch all the other episodes. Like, it's just like a song. It's a it's like a hit song. When you first hear a song, you may not love it. But once they play it a hundred times on the radio, you love that song and it's a hit. Right. You know, it's just internalized and it becomes a part of your subconscious. So those are my three things I think. Okay. Those were really good. Be intentional. Know and tell yourself, don't try to lie to yourself. Say, I want to make some money. <laughs> Number two, cross promote branding. Build relationships with people who already have done it, have a great following. And number three is consistency. Okay. Those are really good. Now those points were really good. So what what I heard you say, you said placement. Mm -hmm. And that took my mind to representation. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the representation of black women and black people in the media in general. Does that in any way um, drive your intentions or your thoughts or your planning processes behind your creative work? Yes. I want to say yes and no. I want to say yes because I did attend, you know, at HBCU. I am, I am very, I want to say, I'm just going to say it, pro-black. So, <laughs> and it's not, I don't think, and of course pro-black is not anti any other race. It's just, I love black culture. And I love black people and everybody should love their personal culture. And I think everybody does. I think everybody goes hard for their personal representation of themselves. Right. I think everybody goes hard. So when I create, I think with that in my subconscious, sometimes I do pull content of black people doing motivating things or empowering things because we have so much content out there that doesn't show us in that light. Right. So I will say that my belief in black empowerment does steer me to pull certain content that shows us in a positive light. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Okay. I am very inspired by black women in media and entertainment and very Mm -hmm. like high positions. I'm so inspired. Like Ava DuVernay. Love her. Oh my gosh. Of course, Issa Rae. Yes. Um, 
I just get so happy just seeing them win because you're seeing yourself win. Right. You know, so that inspires me. But when I create, I want to create for everybody. And I'm not just saying that because I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be inclusive, blah, blah, blah. But I seriously do create for everybody. But there are certain stories that when I write about them, it it does show black people in different life because I think that's necessary. But at the end of the day, I want everybody to be entertained or everybody to be inspired. Yeah. Whether, you know, what social class, economic class, color, skin tone, whichever. I just happen to be pro-black because I understand the the difficulty of developing as a woman and being powerful in a woman of color. So... I can't help but be that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help it. It's within you. <laughs> uh, so talk talk me through being a young woman in the media and the entertainment industry. Um, what challenges did you face? Were you prepared for them? If so, how? If not, how did you get prepared? One of the challenges that I face on a consistent and constant basis is having to deal with I don't want to say having to deal with men but (laughs) having to create a balance between work and play in relation to men so as I mentioned I really love music sometimes I can be in a studio so the music industry to me which is one of the reasons why I don't just dive forward into it well personally Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know if, if that was truly my my gift or my passion to do that but I love music and I love working with artists and you know trying to help them get to the next level as in like their representation online or like I like connecting people if you tell me you want to do something I know somebody that can do it for you I'm going to put you in connection with them like oh I know so and so that does that like cool you want to perform oh I know this dude he does showcases like let me give you his his number Mm -hmm. you'll perform you know what I'm saying if I have that leverage so because I've had certain opportunities like that I've been stepping my toe into music and with that, and writing and, and writing about concerts and artists and stuff like that, and interviewing artists. So one thing that I struggle with is having men not understand that I just want to work. <laughs> like I literally have to tell you know guys on a constant basis that you know I enjoy you, like I support you, like I believe in you, but please don't ruin this friendship because you think there's some type of physical interest there. And I just really want to work. Like, it's no shade. Like, I just want to do my work. I just want to do my job. I just want to create. I just want to build. I just want to do my work. And a lot of times they're like, oh, but we can do it together. And I'm like, honestly, that's when things get complicated. (laughs) That's when things get a little difficult. You know, so I just being like honest in a sense of I'm not saying I would, you know, my soulmate, we was in the same industry and I would just be like, oh, I don't want to talk to you because you have my same job or something like that. But at the end of the day, the industry is so small. Atlanta is so... I'm from Atlanta, and I've been here all my life, so people may not... Who people see today is, like, popular coming out of Atlanta. I probably knew them in middle school. Not saying, like, oh, I already knew him, but it's, like, everybody knows everybody. Right. It's so small. So it's, like, in order to maintain your rep- reputation, you can't date everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to really be careful as a woman that's in this field because you'll think, oh, I'm dating this guy. He's going to put me on. And he's not. <laughs> like, he's just using his image and his brand to date you. Or you have to move so differently. 
even when you go to the club, what you wear. I mean, you can be cute, you can be bad, like, all day, but even how you carry yourself when you're at the club or how you carry yourself at an event or who you talk to or who you're seen with or it's just you got to move so differently. You got to be so cautious. So that's one thing that I've learned while working in the industry as a woman is just how you move. And you have to demand respect. Like, I got tried the other day by my male coworker. Like, so... And we did a project together. He felt like I played him or I don't, whichever the disagreement was, you as a female or a woman, some people don't like the word female. As a woman, you have to demand respect. And I'm not saying you have to go off on anybody, mm-hmm. but they need to understand like, nah, this ain't that. <laughs> like, <laughs> this this ain't that over here. Okay. So that's, that's one thing that I really, and then too, when they find out you're smart and you cute. Right. It's like. Oh my god! It's like they think you're a unicorn, and yeah. so it's like they can get you first. Yes, especially when you give off the whole good girl vibe. You know, I feel like I give off the whole girl next door vibe. You know, I don't try to do the most. I don't really like all the attention. I like to move low key. So when I do something, people don't really like. Dang, I didn't know you was gonna do that. Like, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> so the surprise, the surprise. So that's that's really a big thing to me. Just how you move in this industry because it's so small. Like literally. One of my homeboys, no one is boy, my friends to talk to, who knows? It's it's, it's literally crazy. Everybody knows somebody. And then oh that's, that's just how it is in Atlanta, period. period. Like, everybody knows somebody that knows somebody. Period, yo. It's crazy. <laughs> so, that's, I don't want to stress that entirely. Let me think. But that's really big. I also am demanding respect as a, as a woman. And... That's pretty much the most, I guess, the one of the most difficult things you'll face. Okay. For real, for real. He's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. When I think about it, I'm like, mm-hmm. I think that's good though because, um, like, I feel like sometimes as women, we are expected to come off a certain type of way in professional environments. Right. Meaning we're expected to just take stuff and be like, Okay. okay, that's cool. Because of who the guy is. Like, okay, I'll be quiet. And I'm like, I'm not scared of no... When I tell you I'm not scared of nobody, because once you realize that whoever is meant to cross your path or whoever you're meant to work with, you're going to work with them and y'all going to collaborate. Right. You don't care who is who, who like you, who don't, who respects you, who doesn't, because you just weren't meant to be in my life to that capacity anyway. Right. So I'm Gucci. <laughs> Because, you know, it all goes back to knowing self. Yeah. Knowing yourself, listening to your inner voice, mm-hmm. honoring that, and knowing where you want to go. What's your end goal? Mm-hmm. And when you had that, then can't nobody just come at you. Sideways. Sideways, no. Because you're going to demand, demand your respect. I respect that. Okay. So, let's talk about your creative process. Yeah, when you brainstorm ideas, how do you how do you brainstorm? What's your brainstorming process? Do you brainstorm? And how does that flow into coordinating the logistics of a creative project and execution? Or is it just you just go based off of when you get inspiration? Mm, I don't I think what people when you will struggle is if you go just based off inspiration because every day you will not be inspired. And that's just real. Like, there are moments when you be like, oh, my God, I'm so inspired. Let me get to work. But 
for me, those days are so rare. I, I'm inspired by other people. You know, I'm inspired by Jasmine T. You know, <laughs> on Instagram, scrolling through. Other women do inspire me. Yeah. And then you got to be careful with that because sometimes you'll get sucked into other women's lives and journeys. And then you mm. got to reset and be like your own person, you know. Mm. So my creative process, I don't wait to get inspired. I ask myself, what, I, what do I want to do in my life? What are some key points I want to hit and do in my life? What did I do today to get there? What did I do this week to get there? And if I haven't done anything, then I write down what I need to do. I'm going in my head right now. I write down what I need to do. Or I check off what I've already done. And so, yeah, that's how I visualize it. So I look at my entire life and say, what are the things that I want to accomplish for sure, for sure? And that's just me. I don't know what God has for me. You know, so I don't know what he wants me to do entirely. He just gave me a little bit. You never know. You just discover along the way. So I have what I think he wants me to do or what mm-hmm. I should be doing. So I'll write all those down. Right now it's probably like eight things that I want to accomplish. And I guess I don't even feel comfortable saying what they are because that's you how scary I am. <laughs> you don't have to. But say first I write down those eight things. That's what I do in my journal. I write down those eight things. Then I write down steps for each of those eight things to get me there. And I look at my past week and see what did I do to contribute to those eight things. That's what I do. So you go through this process every week? Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Every day in my head. If I have time, I'll write it down. But for sure in my head, I need to do at least one thing of the eight. At least one. But that's really how I do it. And I don't put a timeline on it. I mean, I have a you know an idea. I imagine myself at thirty with all eight things done. You know what I'm saying? Popping. But, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to think and imagine that. I think the cl- the more you visualize it, the closer it comes. The closer the due date comes. The deadline comes. Mm. But that's really what I do. That's good. That's good. So what do you what do you feel? Spellman taught you as we mentioned before we went to Spellman together what do you feel like Spellman taught you about yourself about the Mm -hmm. world we live in and how has it shaped you in the way you navigate spaces where you may feel othered Mm. oh Spellman (laughs) Spellman broke me down girl didn't it break us all oh my god (laughs) oh my god Spellman broke me down so of course, I think everybody goes to Spelman. You were the top of your class. You were the best at what you did. Or whatever whatever your background is, you at least had good grades. You know what I'm saying? You were at least smart. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm popping, you know. I, I was in all the clubs in high school. Like, I cheered. Like, I had great grades. Like, what? I'm going to Spelman. I knew I was going to Spelman since the fifth grade. That's a funny thing. And that's why visualization is real. Because I was in fifth grade. And I said, I'm going to Spelman. I didn't think about it. Didn't question it. Because at, at that young of an age, everything's so pure. You're like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I go there? That's yeah. what I want to do. It's just like, why wouldn't I play in the playpen? That's what I want to do. Right. And so I didn't even apply for another school. Because I was just like, I don't want to go anywhere else. I thought about going to Duke, but whatever. So, yeah. Get to Spelman. I was in an honors program at first. Definitely didn't finish an honors program. Okay. Broke me down. I was in the honors program, <laughs> and I get there, 
And I'm like, oh, I graduated high school, you know, with three eight, blah, blah, you know, breeze. And this girl's, you know, in my hallway, they're like, oh, I graduated with four two. I'm like, how'd you, how you can't even, how do you even do that? <laughs> what you mean a four two? I thought it stopped at four point oh. Like, I'm confused. <laughs> so that was the first reality check. Like, girl, you're not that smart, girl. Calm, calm down. And you went to a public school, girl. <laughs> Okay, and you from Georgia, which is probably the lowest in education rate in the country. I cannot. So, and then I was in my in my English class, and I had never received. I probably in high school, I probably got one B in math in each each term or semester, or whatever. And I was in my honors English class, and I got a C, and I cried in the bathroom, and I was just like, "This is ninth grade. I mean, freshman year," and I cried. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like, why is everybody so smart? <laughs> I think we all experienced this as well. Oh, my God. And I'm so transparent about this because I feel like it will eat you alive. It will eat you alive. But what it really did was humble me. I needed to be humbled. And what it really did also is took away everything from me that I thought I was. It made me find myself. It took away my good grace. It took away me being the best of the best. It took away me being the prettiest, the cutest. It took away, I, I mean, I just always thought highly of myself, but it took away all those shallow things and all those shallow labels that I had labeled myself to identify myself as and why I was the best. It took all that away. It stripped me to my core. And I had to really be like, who are you without those things? Mm-hmm. And I had to find myself and I had to find my strength and to keep going despite Everything that I thought I was been taken away. Like, yeah, I still cheer, you know. But even with cheerleading, I wasn't the best. And I still wanted to quit. <laughs> I still wanted to quit. And tryouts, I literally was like, oh, my God, this is too much. Like, my feet are swollen. I'm tired, you know. So it really just broke me down and humbled me. And I think that experience was so needed because you, you need to understand what it feels like to feel defeated. Because you will face defeat and you will fail. Probably more than once. But now, when I take an L, I don't even feel L's no more. I'm an L. Like, usually when I take an L, I cry. Like, back then, I would cry, be depressed, weeks, 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 weeks. And then I would have to, like, rebound and fix and help myself. But you don't have weeks and weeks and weeks to be sad and be down. You don't have that kind of time. You don't have that. So when you take so many L's to the point where you're desensitized to L's, I don't even feel them. That comes with boys. That comes with life, a job. Like when I got fired from the bank, I didn't feel it because I had taken so many L's before then. It was like, oh, okay, let's keep it moving. And you don't realize how that rebound mm-hmm. will help you move that much faster towards what you got to do. It's like, boom, I got hit in the face. Boom, okay, let's keep going. You know, you don't stop. You don't lose any ground. So it humbled me and it taught me how to fail. Cute. It taught me how to fail with class <laughs> and casually and fail and bounce right back up and keep it moving like nothing even happened. Like, no one even saw you slip and fall. Like, when you trip, when you get the club yeah. and you just catch yourself, that's how, that's how <laughs> you taught me to take an L. You just keep going. You just keep going. You just prance in the club like it never happened. Like, girl, what you talking about? I ain't fall. And no one saw it. No one remembers it because like, you didn't dwell on it. Keep it cute. Because I used to be sad when I took an L sad you waste so much time being down and it's like girl you gotta get up girl yeah it's a new day tomorrow Whew. Wow. yeah it's gonna kick my butt 
But I love her. All my daughters are going to go there. <laughs> All of my daughters. <laughs> All of them. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice, for you real. Don't. Well, thank you, Ansley, so much for your time and all of your knowledge and your wisdom and your ah, transparency. This is so fun. You're amazing. I talked your head off. I'm glad you had fun, though. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So please tell all of our lovely listeners how they can find you, how they can follow you, how they can view um, Rassy or any of your other projects. Yes. Hey, y'all. So, <laughs> Angela Denise, that's on all social media handles. My name is pretty long, so it's A-N-N-S-L-E-I-G-H, and then Denise. So, that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, AnsleyDenise.com, all of that. And um, you can view Rasty if you go to my Instagram and click the link in my bio. It'll be the most recent show. Also, on YouTube, you just type in Rasty. You can find it. Please be on the lookout for One Good Man. We're in the process of shooting it now. It should launch. We should drop the episodes soon-ish-ish. And also a big shout-out to Casey Elise. She's a bomb rapper, bomb artist. And that's K-A-S-E-Y-A-L-E-A-S-E. Um, and that's all the shout-outs I think I got going. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and of course, shout out to Jasmine T. Thank you. And make sure y'all follow us at Audacity with Jasmine T. And um, yeah, follow us for all updates. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.